When the angel appeared to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, the angel said, and this is from the message translation, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is both Messiah and master. It is our Messiah and our master that we have gathered to worship this morning. Would you please stand and do that with us?
here's a new song for us. Let's sing this together. In the bleak midwinter, all creation groans for a world in darkness, frozen like a stone. Light is breaking in a stable for a throne. worship you in this place today. You will reign forevermore. Reign in this place, God. 
Reign in our hearts, reign in our homes. It is all for you and to you and through you, Jesus. We give you all the praise and glory. It is why we have gathered here today. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Good morning, my name is Carrie. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Hope Vale, and we are so glad that you have joined us here today to lift our voices in song, to proclaim that our God reigns. Would you please take a moment before you're seated and greet a few people around you? Well, good morning again, everybody. I see that we uh, braved the fog this morning. Um, early, the earlier service, I was kind of wondering, and I couldn't even see outside, but it's cleared off now, so welcome. I'm Sam, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I'm actually the next-gen pastor here at Hopevale, and one of the privileges I get as a part of my job is that I get to do child dedication with some families. And just last month, November 10th, we did something new. We did a child dedication celebration on a Saturday, something we've never done before. We wanted to try something new, try something fun. And so we had eight families dedicate their kids, and we were able to spend about two hours with them dedicating their kids individually, praying over each family individually, getting to share their stories, and then celebrating with them. And so if you were one of those families that went through that um, dedication celebration, would you just stand up today? We want to recognize you, and we want to say how you know, awesome we would celebrate with you. Is there anybody here that did that? Oh, they're all in the first service. That's because they have little kids, and they need naps and all that kind of stuff. So we as a church, we just want to recognize those families and say how awesome that is. We're going to pray for them a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing, amazing day. Um, just one announcement I want to make you aware of. Christmas services are coming, uh, Hopeville, 23rd and 24th, 23rd, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, and the 24th, um, 1, 3, and 5 o'clock on that day. And out at the uh, Welcome Center, we have these cards right here. We have a lot of them left over. If you want to grab these, these are perfect ways for you to invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your coworkers. Um, it's a really easy invitation. You can just say, hey, my church is doing a Christmas service. I would love for you to come and just hand them one of these. It's a, a really great way to invite somebody that you want to be connected with or that you already are connected with um, to come to church. I don't know. We're always looking for those invitation kind of moments, and this is just an easy way to do that. So if you're interested in that, you can grab that at the Welcome Center as you leave today. Well, as the ushers come forward today, we're going to go to prayer for the offering, and we're going to pray for those families that went through dedication also. Let's pray together. God, we... Um, we come to you this morning and we just say thank you so much for this season, for Jesus, for uh, the reminder of his birth and, um, and how that was going to lead ultimately to his death on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And so um, this season, man, it's just so, um, it's such a reminder to me to slow down, to pace myself, to really um, take in what's important and to remember the things that um, you want to work in my heart. And so, God, I, I just, I loved the fact about a month ago that these families said, we want to dedicate our kids back to God. We, we realize that um, our children are a blessing to us, and so we want to turn around and we want to give them back to God because they're gifts that God has given us to steward. And so, God, I just pray for those families. I pray that we as a church can encourage them, can support them, can wrap our arms around them, and partner with them to help their, their kids know and follow Jesus in a very authentic way. And so even, God, as we take this morning's offering, we realize, God, that you've blessed us with so much, and we just want to turn around and be a blessing to others. We want to give back just a portion of what you have given to us. And so, um, God, use the money we're going to give today to just do amazing ministry in the lives of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. 
Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hope Valley, and it's a privilege for me to be on stage with uh, Pastor Billy and his wife, Amy. You know, God brought them to Hope Valley just about two years ago, and they have been such a blessing to our church family and Billy leading worship, and we just want to just say thanks, God, for that gift of you guys being here. Now, here's the thing, though. I mean, pretty much ever since I got here, they've been begging me to join them for a musical number, and, you know, <laughs> I just don't want to show them up. So instead of doing that, uh, seriously, though, they're going to lead us or lead in a song in a little bit, but I wanted to share this with you because this, I think, is just the coolest thing ever. Um, Billy and Amy have been invited by the Saginaw Bay Symphony Orchestra as the featured artist for their Christmas concert a week from this Tuesday night. How about that, huh? So Tuesday night, December 11th at uh, 8 o'clock at the Temple Theater uh, is that show. And what they're going to be doing for us is one of the songs that will be part of that concert. So be encouraged, be blessed. Billy, Amy. Oh, no. 
How do you even try to follow that, right? <laughs> I'm expecting a standing ovation when I'm done, okay? <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, no. I mean, was that just awesome or what? Oh my gosh. What a blessing. <laughs> so here's what you need to know, seriously, that um, beyond the gifts, underneath the surface, our genuine hearts that love the Lord. And Billy and Amy, you know, really long to use their gifts to serve others. But you know what? You're like that too. I mean, we're coming out of that Find Your Fit series in October, and I love that you take what God has given you, whatever realm you're in, and use those gifts to serve others as well. So just phenomenal. Hey, uh, before I get to the message, I want to tell you about this year's Christmas outreach offering. You know, our Christmas outreach offering is part of the special Hopevale legacy that we have uh, done for the last several years. Actually, it goes back to 2010, the year that we moved into this building, and we challenged our congregation to spend less on themselves 
at Christmas and give to a fund that truly is all for others in the name of Jesus. And ever since then, you as a church have given over $1.1 million to this to bless people. Yeah, go ahead, right? Praise God. To bless people beyond the four walls of our church in the name of Jesus. So throughout the years, we have literally launched hundreds of local and global ministry projects as a result of this fund. And the great part about this fund is the vast majority of these ministry projects have been carried out by people just like you who call Hopewell their church home. So uh, next week, and actually in the next couple of Sundays, we're going to share some stories with you via video about some of the local outreach projects that this fund has helped launch. But today I just want to tell you about a global project from this past year that came out of our Christmas Outreach Offering Fund. Uh, in February of this year, Pastor Ken and a team of 14 went to Wanamint, Haiti, and held their third pastor's conference there. And as you can see here, we had a total of 177 pastors in and around that region of Haiti who came to be trained and equipped for the gospel and the ministry that our team was able to do. We resourced them with Thompson Chain reference Bibles in their language as well as, well as other Bible doctrine resources to strengthen the work of the church in Haiti. And what's really great about this story is that uh, this is the third time we've been down there for the pastor's conference. First time, 2013, 52 pastors. Second time, 2016, 104 pastors. This time, almost doubled, 177 pastors, and the impact is phenomenal. And it's a you know, part of your generosity is really making that happen. Even this month, we're sending another 100 Bibles uh, to the pastors there in the Creole language, and they will use those as well as part of their ministry efforts to share the love of God through the power of his word. And see, that's what this fund is about. That's what the offering is about. And so next week, we're going to make available offering envelopes that look like this, all for others, both in Saginaw in Bay City, and as we've done the last several years, that as we approach Christmas, as you think about spending less, giving more, all for others, we encourage you to think about, pray about your participation with the offering. And let me just say this too, we had um, a Giving Tuesday initiative that uh, some of you were involved in, just want to thank you for being a part of that, we're still getting the feedback there, but just thank you for being a congregation that is open-handed and generous-hearted. Uh, last week, Pastor Sam kicked off our Christmas series entitled Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. And he introduced us to a man named John the Baptist. Now, John was a relative of Jesus indirectly, and his too was a miraculous birth of sorts. But at first glance, John's story seems entirely disconnected from the Christmas story. It does, but as Pastor Sam showed us from Scripture, John's ministry and his message later in life actually prepared people for the hope that Jesus came to bring as the promised Messiah. See, John, it was his job to let everyone know that God was about to do something miraculous and that he was going to alter the course of human history forever with heaven coming down to earth in the most unexpected way. 
the most unexpected way. See, that is the story of Jesus, and that's what Christmas is really all about. And so that's what we're going to explore even further today. And so I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Luke from the New Testament, chapter 1. You know, last Sunday, Sam introduced you to John, whose mother named Elizabeth was, that was her story. But this Sunday, we're going to introduce you to Jesus through the story of his mother, Mary. So if you have a Bible with you, paper, electronic, you can join me in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 26. You can also follow along in our message notes that we provide both through the YouVersion Bible app as well as our own Hopewell Church app. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. This is what Luke says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, is one of the four gospel writers who share the story of Jesus, whose gospel account is recorded and captured in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what you see when you read through these four different gospel accounts is they tell the same story just from a different slightly angle, different angle. So um, what you see is that each of these gospel writers brings their own personality to how they record the gospel. So here's what you need to know about Luke. Luke, by profession, was a physician, a physician, a, a medical doctor, which means a couple things about his gospel. One, no one could read his writing, right? <laughs> Sorry if we got any doctors here. I just had to go there, really, okay? But seriously, though, the other part of this is that Luke, in jotting down the story of Jesus, is hyper OCD about the details. I mean, he captures everything. He has stuff in his gospel that other uh, gospel writers leave out because he is so meticulous in wanting to capture this story well. And you see it here. This is a classic example. So he gives us some chronology. He tells us when this event happens in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? He tells us where it happens, right? And it's not just Nazareth. No, he spells it out, a town in Galilee, the province where Nazareth is located. And then when it comes to Mary, he gives us the full scoop, right? Mary is a virgin. Mary is pledged to be married. Her fiancé's name is Joseph. And this Joseph comes from some pretty impressive stock. Joseph is a descendant of David, which to Jewish people back then would have been very impressive. Because David, I mean, he's the star of the Old Testament. He is the highlight of Israel's kingdom about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. But here's what else you need to know about David. David was a precursor to the coming Messiah, that everything that David accomplished would pale in comparison what this Messiah, this promised Messiah, this future coming king would one day accomplish with his kingdom, right? Now talk about a lot of information in just one verse, right? But as you can see, I left out one detail. That beyond all this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, 
to talk to Mary. God sent the angel Gabriel, and leave it to Luke to give us the name of that angel, right? Gabriel. Now, between our familiarity with this story and Luke's ability to cram so much detail into just one verse, it's easy for us to blow past this five-word statement. But can we just stop for a moment and try to take in the enormity of what Luke is trying to tell us? God sent the angel Gabriel that when we come to this story, people, there is an actual angel in this story. An angel from a real heaven sent by the one true God to talk to a living human being who's just like you and just like me. Now my guess is that this has never happened to you. My guess is that you have never laid eyes on an actual angel. I know I haven't. Well, except on my wedding day when I looked across at my beautiful bro. <sighs> Seriously, though, even though we may have never seen an angel in real life, right? And you can't say, I, you know, I've, I've physically seen one. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe in angels? Even though you've never seen one, do you believe in angels? I know it's a loaded question to ask in church, right? But if you said yes, you would not be alone. A recent Gallup poll, 2016, said that 72% of Americans believe in angels. Actually, that number is higher in some other countries. But in America, 72%, 16% say they don't believe, and another 12% say they're not quite sure, but 72%. That's a lot that the vast majority of us say we believe in angels, but if you just look around, if you just take in culture, you'd understand that, yeah, most people really do, right? Don't believe me? Just walk through the aisle of some gift shop or some craft store, and it doesn't even have to be at Christmas time, and you will see angels of all kinds. Angels for the mantelpiece, angel for the wall decor, angel for the glass cabinet, angels for the kids' bedroom, angels for the garden path. There are angels for everything, that most of the religious and even some of the non-religious want to believe in the existence of these invisible creatures of goodness who are always watching over us. And why not, right? Why wouldn't we want to believe? Because life is hard enough, so who doesn't want a little extra help along the way? When we believe we want to have comfort in the existence of these angelic, spiritual, supernatural beings. But is our comfort the reason why God created angels? So back to Luke 1, back to Nazareth, back to 2,000 years ago. What exactly is going on when this angel named Gabriel shows up out of nowhere? Why is he in this story? What can he tell us about the true nature of angels? And why do angels even matter, especially when it comes to the story of Christmas? Well, when you read through the Bible cover to cover, you discover this, that angels are these supernatural beings whose sole purpose is to serve and worship the Almighty God. Serve and worship the Almighty God to do his bidding, right? They are heavenly in their nature, they are eternal in their existence, and they are mostly invisible to the human eye. This is what the scriptures tell us about the nature of angelic beings. Now in a moment, we're going to read what exactly happened when God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary in Nazareth. But can we just acknowledge right now, I mean, we don't even have to go any further in this story to say this is a big deal. 
An angel showing up is a big deal. I mean, when it comes to our own lives by far, this is the exception, not the norm. And that's just true in our day and age, but also true back then. And so by telling us that there is an angel in this story, Luke wants us to know that God is up to something special. God is up to something new. That God is up to something different. That at this very moment in history, heaven is breaking through into our world. See, the mere mention of an angelic appearance is a reminder that there's more to our world than just this world. Do you believe that? That there's more to this world than just this world. There is another dimension. There is an unseen reality. There is an actual heaven of untainted, an undistilled goodness, a goodness that is so pure we've never even begun to taste something like that in our lifetime. It's real, it exists. And this supernatural occurrence of an angelic appearance reminds us of that. Angels, I I think of a story in the Old Testament from the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible involving a man named Jacob. Jacob, and Jacob, by the way, this is the same Jacob who going even further back than King David was also a distant forefather of Mary's fiance, Joseph. And in this story, God communicates to Jacob in a dream, where Jacob sees, quote, a stairway or a ladder resting on earth with the top reaching to heaven. And angels of God, they were ascending and descending on this stairway. See, this too was the Lord's way of letting Jacob know that there's more to this world than just this world. And that even way back then, God was up to something special. In this case, he's keeping the promises of blessing he had made to his people and to Jacob's forefathers. And so even though you and I will probably never have an angelic encounter like Jacob did or like Mary did, we do have their stories. Stories that have been preserved and passed down to us. Factual stories, real stories to remind us that the goodness of God's heaven is oh so real. It really is, even despite what the badness of our world would want us to believe otherwise. So back to Luke. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So what happens next? The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He, the Lord, will give him the throne of his father. See the connection there? David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, these words probably don't mean much to us as non-Jewish 21st century citizens. But back then to a young, devout Jewish girl. 
from the first century in the Middle East. As crazy as this angelic appearance is, she knew exactly what Gabriel was telling her, that she would conceive, that she would give birth to the long-awaited promised Messiah whose kingdom is forever. Wow. Incredible. This is the Prince of Peace coming into our world to heal it of all its brokenness. Heaven is breaking through. Now as Mary's trying to sort all this out, she questions Gabriel, asking him, how can this be? How could this possibly happen since she's never had relations with, with Joseph or with any man, for that matter? But Gabriel responds by telling her that her conception will be miraculous. It will be supernatural. And that what God ordains to happen always comes to pass. Now this is the part of the story, right, where we usually dive deeper into the details. And it's also part of the story where skeptics often have their questions. And rightfully so, because scientifically speaking, conceiving a child like this makes no biological sense whatsoever. And yet, well, I don't want to dismiss the honest questions that people have. I mean, can we just stop for a moment and be reminded of what else is going on in this story? There's an angel here. God is up to something very special. God is bridging the two worlds of the seen and the unseen. Heaven is breaking through. And if that wasn't enough, we're told of another angelic encounter that happened shortly after Mary's experience, but this time it involves her fiancé, Joseph. So this is how the gospel writer Matthew explains it in Matthew chapter 1, that after Joseph hears the news of Mary's pregnancy, he's ready to bail. He's ready to bail on the upcoming marriage that he and Mary are supposed to have, and he's not going to bail because he's angry or upset or feels jealous. He's going to bail as a way to uphold Mary's honor. But once again, heaven breaks through. God intervenes, an angel shows up, and here's what happens. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, considered what? Considered bailing on their upcoming marriage, an angel of the Lord, again, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Same name, right, that Gabriel told Mary. But here we get the why. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus in Hebrew means the Lord saves. The Lord saves that this child is no ordinary child. But he is the promised Messiah who will be the Savior for all people. And not just then, but also today, including you, including me. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin, the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God 
with us. God with us. This very simple three-word statement that connects two very real worlds of the heavenly and the earthly. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I'm no expert on angels, right? But if one supernatural angelic appearance tells us that God was up to something very special, then two back-to-back, just like that, Supernatural angelic appearances tell us that God was up to something very unique, something that had never, ever happened before, that the Son of Heaven would leave the comfort of his perfect home to enter into the mess of our dysfunctional world. Why? Because we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior that Christmas is the story of heaven breaking through into our world like never before through the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, in some ways, the angels are a lot like John the Baptist from last week's story and Pastor Sam's message. Why? Because the Christmas story is one of major characters and minor characters. So major characters, you've got Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. But John, the angels, they're minor minor characters, right? Christmas isn't about them, and yet they each played their God-given role so that we would understand that the coming of Jesus into our world is a really big deal, people. It's a really big deal, and it deserves our full attention. That just as John prepared the way for Jesus, angels assisted along the way for Jesus. Because here's what's really fascinating to me, that when you read about in the Bible about the story of Jesus, it is filled with many different angelic appearances start to finish. Not just the story, you know, of Zechariah and Elizabeth's pregnancy that we heard last week from John the Baptist. Not just this encounter with Mary and this encounter with Joseph. But right after those two encounters, as many of us know, that right after Jesus is born, angels appear to a group of shepherds, filling the night sky over a Judean hillside, giving glory to God and proclaiming the birth of the Messiah. Now all that there would be more than enough to know that this is no ordinary child. And yet, as every good infomercial infomercial says, but that's not all, right? Because you fast forward into the life of Jesus, you get toward the very end, and you see Jesus agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before the cross, wrestling in prayer with his heavenly Father, wanting to do the will of his father, but knowing it would be so hard. And we're told that an angel was right there comforting Jesus as he was staring at the cross. Well, Jesus made his way to the cross where he died in our place for our sins because after all, that was his destiny. His destiny as the Messiah, as our Savior, that as Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus laying down his life and taking our place becomes God for us, God for you. But even then, lest we forget that God is up to something very unique, another angel shows up again on earth. And this time, just three days later, it's an angel standing right next to an empty tomb. But this isn't just any tomb. This is the tomb where they laid the body 
of Jesus. And as Jesus' friends showed up on that Sunday morning, right after the Sabbath, they found the tomb was empty, the stone was rolled away, and the angel proclaimed the greatest news ever. He is not here. He is risen. Angels everywhere in the story of Jesus. Why? Because his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection is when heaven breaks through into our world out of love, out of necessity, like never before. Angels. And all this talk about angels is a reminder, is a message to us today. See, here's what I want you to know. That angels in the story of Jesus, including Christmas, but even beyond that, remind us that for the serious problems we face, God has supernatural solutions, not superstitious symbols. Supernatural solutions, not just superstitious symbols. See, we as people have this unbelievable ability to take the holy, to take the eternal, to take the spiritual, to take the things of God, these things that are very sacred, and to water them down and turn them into something superstitious where we act in life that all we really need is just a little more good luck. And that's all we're missing. Listen, Christmas is much more than just needing a little more good luck. And people can be that way. They can be that way about angels. They can be that way about going to church. They can be that way about celebrating Christmas. That If I have every base covered, that if I do enough right things, then God will be pleased, I will be blessed, and life will go my way. Listen, angels, Christmas, going to church, these are good things, but they were never meant to be the main thing. They were never meant to be the thing we trust in, the thing we worship, the thing in which we place our ultimate hope. Like I said, I've never met an angel before, but if somehow out of some miracle, a real, actual angel showed up on this stage and became visible. I believe he, I believe he, she would say something like this. Don't make it about me. It's not about me. Don't fixate on me. Now, actually, I think the angel would first say, do not be afraid, because that's what they always say in the Bible, right? Yeah, because what angels and all their holy brilliance are these breathtaking, awe-inspiring, fear-inducing creatures. Yet even still, in the, the plan of God's unfolding redemption, they are, to use the lingo of the Academy Awards, just supporting actors and actresses. They're good at what they do, but they were never meant to be the objects of our worship or the source of our hope. No, angels exist to serve and worship our God, and to point us to Jesus. Jesus, you are to name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. He will be able to do for us what no one else has ever been able to do for themselves. See, the reason there are angels in the Christmas story, the reason Jesus came into our world, the reason heaven broke through is that our deepest need, your deepest need, is far greater than just a little more luck right? No. Our problems are much more serious than that. We need a Savior. We need a Messiah. We need Jesus to save us from our sins, which separated us from our God. And then as a church, we also need Jesus to work in and through us to help us bring his healing to this broken world of ours. Angels in this story of Jesus remind us 
that for the serious problems we face, we need supernatural solutions, not superstitious symbols. And even as I say that, I realize that there are hundreds of us among us here today. We're at different places in life, so what you should do with what I just said is going to be different for everyone. It's unique. It's personal to you. Because depending on where you're at when it comes to Christmas, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to church, you might be more on the spiritual side. You might be more on the superstitious side. Or maybe you're more on the skeptical side, right? The spiritual, the superstitious, the skeptical. And so before I close, I want to take a moment and address all three of these groups. So if you tend to be more on the skeptical side, here's my encouragement to you. Just be open to the supernatural. Be open to the supernatural, that there's more to this world than just this world. I mean, I get it. You know, you've got a scientific mind, you're highly logical, you need proof for everything, right? And that's why you're skeptical. Or maybe you're skeptical because you've seen the underbelly of religion and church and all its yuckiness and messiness and you just don't want anything to do with it again. I get that, it happens, I'm sorry it happens. But if you're on the skeptical side of things, here's my challenge for you. Is your skepticism rooted in genuine curiosity or is it rooted in deflective fear? Genuine curiosity or deflective fear. See, if it's genuine curiosity, then I'd encourage you to keep on coming here, right? Keep on coming, show up, learn more, ask questions. We're not going to shove anything down your throat. I just want you to keep showing up here, come with an open mind, come with an open heart and see what happens, right? But if it's not a genuine curiosity, maybe it's just a deflective tactic, right? Defensiveness that's rooted in some deeper questions and personal issues that you're afraid to face. Because some skepticism is rooted like that. So here's what I want to say to you. I'm not saying you're wrong to be a skeptic. I'm just saying, have the guts to ask the question why you're a skeptic. Because if it's fear, if it's questions, you need to know that the God we worship is so big that he can handle your toughest questions and he can handle your deepest fears. And don't let your skepticism get in the way. And so for the skeptics among us here today, here's my encouragement. I just want you to be open to the supernatural that there really is more to this world than just this world. But then for the second group here, to the superstitious, here's what I'd say to you. Surrender. Surrender to Jesus because he came to be more than just a good luck charm. He came to be your Savior. He came to be your Savior. And see, here's what I would say to the superstitious. I think a lot of people who are superstitious wouldn't label themselves that way. No, they'd actually label themselves as religious, as devout. They go to church regularly, they pray often, they give generously, they do nice things for other people, right? But at their core, they're driven by superstition. Let me explain what I mean. See, in the end, the difference between a superstitious religion and a supernatural faith is a matter of control. Control. Superstitious religion clings to control. Supernatural faith surrenders control. 
And the only person who can really answer which side of that you're on is you. So deep down, if you think it's your religious devotion, your dedication that makes or breaks your standing with God, then yours is a superstitious religion. Or even more bluntly, Jesus isn't your savior in your religion. No, you are trying to be your own savior, which really is the complete opposite of what Christmas is all about. No, heaven broke through into our world in the person of Jesus so that we would let go of this warped notion that we could save our own selves by our own good deeds. And so I want to invite those of you who superstitiously cling to control in your life to surrender that. Surrender your life, surrender your faith, surrender your heart, surrender your all to Jesus. Tell him that you want him to be your savior because really in the end, that's why he came. To save you from your sins and to reunite you with the God who created you and the God who loves you more than you could imagine. And that kind of surrender between you and God is a commitment you can make right here, right now, right where you're seated between you and God. It's where you say to Jesus, Jesus, I know that you are the Savior. I want you to be my Savior. Because it is surrender that takes us from superstition to salvation. And then finally, then for the spiritual, right? Here's my word to you. This Christmas, keep Jesus at the center of everything in your life. Keep Jesus at the center of everything in your life. That for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, it's so easy to think that we can just put life, can put faith into autopilot and just go on from there. But life in Christ and growth in faith don't work that way. They don't know. We need to bring our best energy, our strongest effort, our deepest emotions to our walk with God. Nothing less will do. Otherwise, we're going to drift. Otherwise, we're going to fall back into ruts. Otherwise, we may slip into superstition. You cannot let the hubbub of the holidays rob you of your joy. Now, the good news is you and I, we're not alone in this. That just as Mary and Joseph had help, supernatural help, in their journey from these angels, we too have Christians have some heavenly help in the person of the Holy Spirit that God gives the Holy Spirit to every believer in Jesus Christ so that we can have a strength and a power to do what we ourselves can't pull off, right? The Holy Spirit indwells us to keep Jesus at the center of everything so that if Emmanuel is God with us, that if Jesus as our Savior is God for us, then the Holy Spirit is God in us, right? So this Christmas, let's cooperate, rely upon, lean into the Holy Spirit so that we can keep Jesus the center of everything in our lives. So in a moment, I want to lead us in prayer. I want to pray for all of us, whatever group you might be in, the spiritual, the superstitious, the skeptical, right? Because God has something for all of us. And then after that, we're going to close the song we introduced last week. It's the theme song for our series, Here Comes Heaven, this beautiful, wonderful song of worship that celebrates the story of heaven breaking through into our world like never before in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I love these lyrics here, right? Angels, let your song begin. 
here comes heaven. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Here comes heaven. Heaven breaking through to us and for us. Let's pray together. God, this has been a wonderful day of worship. And you have met with us in deep and powerful ways. And so on behalf of everyone here, Lord, I just want to lead us in prayer. I want to pray for the skeptical, Lord. Whether it's out of honest questions and genuine curiosity or it's out of some defensive fear. I pray that they would just be open to the supernatural. It's no myth, it's no coincidence, it's no fairy tale that angels show up because God, you were up to something big when Jesus came. And so God, just open the hearts of those of us who might be skeptical so that we wouldn't necessarily have to have a reason or explanation for everything, but to know that there's more to this world than just this world and that there is a God in heaven who loves us more than we could ever imagine. But thank God for the the superstitious. May today be the day when we let go of religious duty and delight in the Savior named Jesus because he will save all people, including us, from our own sins. That today would be the day when faith becomes personal and we say to you, Jesus, be my Savior. And that with that confession of faith, new life, abundant life, forgiven life, eternal life would be ours forever. God, thank you that you hear even the most feeblest, sincere prayer we can utter. And then God, for the spiritual among us, empower us by your Holy Spirit to keep you, Jesus, at the center of everything. Because we don't want to coast. We don't want to go through the motions. We don't want our faith to be routine. No, we want a freshness that your spirit can bring. So would you do that and make even this day of worship a part of that? Jesus, you're worthy. Thank you for breaking through into the mess of our world so that we may know a joy, a life, a peace, and a hope unlike anything else this world has to offer. This we pray in your holy, kingly name. Amen. Amen. Let's close in our worship time together and uh, singing about this Savior that has saved you and all of us and made a way to heaven by breaking through. Let's stand.
is on the horizon. Hope is here and hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And this hope is for everyone. You know, here at Hopevale, we want to help you in your spiritual journey, wherever you may be at. If you're in the skeptical camp, the superstitious camp, or the spiritual camp, we want to take this journey together with you. Reach out to us. Talk to us after the service. Contact us, you know, in other ways, because again, we are in this together because we want you to know the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to continue our Heaven on Earth series. But as you go from here, may your heart be filled with the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. God bless you.